0: Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Today's message and today's song talk about Jesus washing his disciples' feet as recorded in John 13. In today's message by Ben Johnson called Self-Giving, Jesus tells the disciples they must follow his example with each other. They must become like servants, setting aside concerns about position and privilege. They must place others above themselves. Through foot washing, Jesus unforgettably shows that service not status, is what he's all about. Today we focus on the love of Jesus that is self-giving and sacrificial as we look at this timeless story of Jesus taking the form of a servant and washing his disciples' feet. What an amazing display of self-giving love and as Christians we have been called to live a life of love that is focused on the love of God and the love of others. Here's Pastor Ben.
1: All right, hey, we are in the last week of this series as we have been kind of following along through this book written by Dr. Les Parrott called Love Like That. At these five ways that Jesus gave away love and then asking the question, how do I love like that in my own life? And so we've been kind of flipping the coin back and forth of the road of discipleship, of what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus marked by love. On one side of the coin is that we are learners. We are people who study. We are engrossed by it. We're captivated by the person of Jesus Christ. We, we can be disciples of anything. The word disciple just means a lifelong learner. It means what, you, what are you engrossed by? What are you passionate about? Have you ever had a particular hobby or a particular thing that just like captivated you for a while? I'm notorious for getting hooked into hobbies that I'm pretty sure are going to be my lifelong pursuit. And then about three months later, I'm like, I'm bored. <laughs> Anybody else? Right? It's sort of a rule that I've set with myself, but also between me and my wife that, that I'm not going to go all financially in, you know, until I know it's going to stick for a while. But we're people that we're made this way by God, to get engrossed in certain things, to get captivated by them, to want to learn them. and To be a disciple, a methetes of Jesus, one is the greatest honor. It's the greatest thing you could ever be. Do, but also it means that we are, we have a lifelong pursuit of learning this person, of studying this person, of getting into his word. And then, and and that's on one side of the coin. And so you can't deny this part of it. You can't be a disciple and not be reading the Bible. Period. You can't do it. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and not be engrossed by the study and the learning of the person of Jesus Christ. I am not talking about just being a part of a denomination or religion or what service you go to or how you want to worship or what you want to wear or any of the religious aspects. I am talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, bar none. And Jesus will not lower that expectational bar, And as a church, because he didn't, we won't. Unabashedly, I'm going to say this, and if you want to get upset because I'm being so direct, fine, but read his words. They're worse than mine. They're more demanding. Okay, the flip side of the coin then is as we read it and as we study it and as we learn it, it's then asking the question, what does this mean for my life? How do I love like that? Right? It, it, the analogy I've used is this. It would be ridiculous for me to get up here and be like, dude, I know how to build a custom, custom wooden table. You know how? I, I watched a YouTube video. It was about 12 minutes long. I watched a guy do it. I know how to do it. Why do you laugh? You know intrinsically that that's bogus because you know the only way to learn how to build a table is what you got to do. Build a table. So if I sit here and I say, You are to love your enemies, and you're like, Oh, yeah, I read that. I actually, I saw this YouTube video of this guy that loved his enemies. It was really cool. I'd be like, You would giggle at that, right? That's not loving your enemies. How do you learn how to love your enemies? What you got to do? Find an enemy to love. You can read all day that Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money or manna. You can read that all day, and you can be like, oh, I watched a really cool YouTube video about this guy that like was really sacrificial and gave his money. No, that how do you learn how, how that operates in your life? You give your money away. You, you, you can, and so there's this aspect of learning and being engrossed by it, and then you have to flip the coin over and go, now how am I going to be radically obedient to this teaching of Jesus? And that's the road of discipleship. And it's not for the faint of heart, but it's a narrow road that will lead to the kingdom of God. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to him, and he is calling us to pick up our crosses and come and follow him. And the road that he marked was a road of love. So today we're talking about the deepest topic. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest with you this morning, as I normally am, right? But this sermon's heavy. This is heavy. And what's going to be required, if you really want to interact with this one, in order for me to speak on it, I've had to go here, so you're going to have to be brutally honest with yourself. You don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus, but you got to be honest. In, in the last chapter of Dr. Lespert's book, he brings up a study that was done in a New York Times magazine. And, it was, and the, the name of the study was, I'm Okay, You're Selfish. And and they did this study, and they found that about 17% of the population will actually say, I function from a standpoint of selfishness a lot. But 60% of the population will say they believe most other people are selfish people. Do you know what that study is? It's a study of denial of denial. I, it, I wanted to start the sermon. I literally had this written and then I had to punt. This is what I wanted to start the sermon with. We live in a very loveless culture. Do you agree? About 60% of head nods. But what if I start it with we Are a pretty loveless community. About 17% of head nods? What if I was to say that most of you function from the standpoint of selfishness more than self giving? Why is it a resounding amen when I talk about a loveless culture and then why is it an awkward silence when I say that we are part of that culture? What is needed in in a topic like this is to be brutally honest with yourself that before we go pointing the fingers at everyone else is to have a good healthy look within ourselves and say where in my life Am I functioning from the standpoint of a selfishness? Because in the kingdom of God, there's no room for ego. And there's no room for pride. Paul speaks on this very topic in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13. to Paul's saying it's not just about what we do, but why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just about the what, it's the why. And he gives a whole list of what's. He says um, of what's. He goes, man, if I could speak in all the languages of men and angels, if I have all the prophetic powers, if I can understand all the mysteries and knowledge, if I have all the faith even to move mountains, if I give away all I have or even give up my body to be burned, but if my why is not agape love, sacrificial love, all those things are meaningless. It's not about the what you do, it's about the why. See, Paul's saying that if the motivation is not self-giving or sacrificial, then it's just a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. It's just making a lot of noise. He's saying it's not just about the what you do. You know, you'll ask people, they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I've been... And then they'll list a bunch of what's. I've been a Lutheran since 1902. Founding member. I've always come to this service. This is my pew. I mean, that's my, my butt imprint. I've been there for 50 years. They'll bring up a lot of what's. You go to funerals and people will talk about a lot of what's. Oh, they were so kind. They were so, and they'll bring up what's. That's not What's important? It's your why that's important. The why gets at the heart. Right? I remember when we were in California, we had a little neighbor girl, and it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and they had school. They didn't have school. And so we were hanging out in the backyard, and she was talking, and she goes, why don't we have school today? I go, oh, we're celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. And she's like, oh, why is he important? I go, well, he did this. And, that is that. and we ended up getting to the question of, Why did people treat people that way? And I go, ah, we're terrible, but I don't know, you know, and it got to the heart of the topic. Wise get at the heart. See, if we're not functioning from self-giving, sacrificial love, even the what's that we do might be motivated by selfishness. Like, let me give you an example. All right? Not trying to rock any boats, but whatever. All right, with the midterms coming up, there's a lot of political ads, right? A lot of people telling you what they're against. Not not a whole lot of what you're for, but really how terrible everyone is. And uh, and, and you know, and a lot of debates are happening. And you hear a lot of politicians. I'm not saying every politician is selfish. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this a lot of politicians will stand on, it says, their platform, and their platform is what their cares and concerns are, what, what they're worried about, or whatever it might be. And don't you sometimes have to hold it a little bit? Like, do you really care about that? Are you really concerned? Because they have a massive agenda. The agenda is election the agenda is power prestige influence there's a massive agenda and because of that agenda me as the voter hold it a little bit in question like are you really that person or are you just saying it do you really care are you really concerned about that or are you just jumping on this platform that's already been created and being a little puppet talker because that's what people want to hear and it scratches the itch and we're like, oh, that person cares what I care about. I'll vote for them. And now they have, you know what I'm saying? See, that's the, the power of the what and the why. I would love to have a leader where I believed in their Why? Wouldn't that be refreshing to believe in the why? But even more than that, in politics, I want our church to be about the why. I want your life to be about the why. Not just the what, the why, and that's that's why this is such a powerful topic. Jesus gave us the why, John thirteen, this is this incredible display. They're at Passover, the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, who's the most powerful, who's the most influential, and Jesus, it says, John writes in John 13, Jesus knew that all things had been given into his hands, meaning he is the supreme, he's the all-powerful, he is the great I am, all things were created by him and for him, he knows this, and in his power, absolute star-breathing power, Jesus gets up from the table, removes his rabbinic clothing, puts a towel around his waist, takes the form of a slave and proceeds to wash all their grimy feet. He gets to Peter. Peter's like, you're going to wash my... This is so embarrassing. Get up. Stop it. Jesus, come on. That's how they would have seen it. Jesus says, if you don't let me wash your feet... You will never understand what it means to be my disciple. You have no share with me. Quit now. If you can't let your feet be washed and you are willing to wash anyone else's feet, you don't understand the gospel and you are not going to follow me. This is it, disciples. There is no room for power games, no ego, no pride. Your influence will be marked by your sacrifice. Bar none, there's the line. Do you want to follow me? He was that forceful. So why would he drop the expectation 2,000 years later? Jesus, he said bluntly, if I, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, my expectation is you will be washing one another's feet. A new command I give to you. You will love one another as I have agape you. You will agape one another. That is how the world is going to know you belong to me by your agape love for one another. Jesus is saying, following him and true discipleship, real living is going to be marked and defined by the way. We sacrifice for one another. I want to share with you a story about this gentleman. His name is Dawson Trotman. You heard of him? He's best known as one of the founders of a group known as the Navigators. Have you heard of the Navigators? Navigators? The navigators. Um, well, let me get into him. So, when in his twenties, he lived like probably most of us in our twenties. Uh, but he was he was far away from living for Jesus. He was bootlegging and stealing and gambling and doing all kinds of different things. And uh, he walked by a, a church one time. They're having a church group, and he noticed there were a lot of pretty girls in this church group. So he's like, "I'll go in there." And uh, so he we went into this church group, and they were having a contest that if you could memorize ten. Uh, verse 10 scripture passages and then you come back next week and recite them and he wanted to show off for the girls. So he memorized them. Well, little did he know then that word of God got into his brain and, and that word then got into his heart and he started changing, and he had questions, and he worked at a lumberyard. He started asking a guy he was working with who was a Christian about this stuff, and he believed. He came believe. and believed. And, and he got discipled by this guy and then realized there are a lot of people who don't know about this, so started discipling people one by one. And, the, and where he lived, the naval ships would come in, so he just started discipling sailors. And then these sailors would believe and he'd get groups and they'd go back on the ship and they'd leave and a new one would come in, hence the name Navigator. And they ended up getting a worldwide recognition because all these sailors were going around the world talking about Jesus. Billy Graham even picked up on this because of the power of their one-on-one discipleship. He hired the navigators to come to his rallies so that when people came to faith, they'd get linked up with a navigator who would navigate them in discipleship. He spent his life doing this. In his 50s, he, went, he got invited to go to a camp. And at this camp, him and some campers got into this, a boat. And they were on the lake and a storm came up. And it was really choppy. And he and one of the female campers fell overboard. And the boat was coming back around, but the girl could not swim. And he knew he had a decision to make. So he grabbed a hold of the girl and with all his strength, tread water and held her up so the boat could swirl around. They grabbed her and then he sank and he drowned. And Billy Graham spoke at his funeral and he said, Dawes lived or died the way he lived holding other people up. The cross of Jesus is Jesus holding you up. The cross shows how deep the sacrificial love of God would go, that he would even stoop into the pits of hell to bring you out and then to lift you up and even in the process, he would sacrifice his own life, but you wouldn't get consumed by the waves. He would hold you up. And the greatest display of sacrifice and of love and, and, and of self giving will always be Jesus Christ. Always. You'll never outserve him, you'll never outgive him. He is the pinnacle, he is agape love. And Jesus now says pick up your cross. And follow me. In Philippians 2. Philippians 2. It's Christ's example of humility. Paul says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love and of full accord. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility... Count other people more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others and have this mind among you which is yours in Christ Jesus that though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing. The Greek word there is kenosis meaning he emptied himself of what? of what's rightfully his. He's the son of God, all-powerful. But he stepped off the throne. He emptied himself of that pride, of that ego, of that self-interest, in order, as it says, was born in the likeness of men and was found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In the Love Like That book, there, um, Dr. Les Parrott talks about a psychiatrist named Scott Peck who wrote of a practice he would use with others to help teach them truly understand empathy. And the practice he developed is literally called the art of emptiness. Kenosis. And Dr. Les Parrott said about that, he said, he was talking about the capacity we have to empty ourselves Of our need for other people to do what we want, demanding life goes the way we think it should go, but to empty ourselves, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) to empty ourselves of our compulsive need to have our own way. Man, I got an itch at the wrong time. To put it another way, in the way of Jesus, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for his sake will find it. Listen, I, I know this is heavy. But following Jesus is a heavy thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's peaceful and joyful. But don't think it won't cost you. We are a people who are in love with our comfort. We're in love with comfort. We will do anything to stay comfortable. We will vote for the people who will make our lives more comfortable. So what do you do with a God who says, In this life, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to suffer. You're going to have to bear with intolerable people. You're going to put up with selfish and rude and entitled human beings. By the way, you're going to do what I did for you. And I want you to follow me and to lift other people up and I want you to walk this narrow road of sacrifice for others and the giving of yourself for the betterment of another human being even if it costs you. Jesus says, "This is the command I give to you, agape one another just as I agaped you. You are to agape one another by this all people will know you belong to me. If you have agape self-giving, sacrificial love for one another. May we spend whatever precious hours we have on this side of the kingdom of God using our energy, our passion, all that we have in the lifting up of others in the name of Jesus Christ in the same way He lifted you up. Amen? Amen? Amen. Uh, Let's spend a minute in prayer, and then we'll sing. If you would join me and just bow your heads, and let's just lay this before God. I know it's heavy, but let's just ask God to speak into it. Jesus, we we love you, and we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Holy Spirit, we ask right now in a bold way that you would eradicate our lives of ego and pride and selfishness, that we would count others as more significant than ourselves, no matter who they are. No matter what language they speak or where they come from or how much money they have or of any interest, God, that we would love them, that we would be marked by our love. And God, as we follow you, we know that Satan's going to want to take that out. And so, God, I do pray for a supernatural protection over every one of my brothers and sisters that you would defend us and guard us from the evil one. God, continue to prepare that fruit that we get to joyfully walk in. We lay this before you, and we ask that it would find good soil in our soul. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, today's song talks about the story of Simon Peter and foot washing written by Kim Biltman and Jason Shockman. If you have trouble catching all the overlapping words in the song, be sure to check out today's show notes for the lyrics and also the link to the lyric video. And you can also go to siblingharmony.com, Spotify, or wherever fine music is streamed.